This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number six, One Small Step. Welcome back, everybody. Yay. Hello. New Eureka. Yeah. New. After that extremely Eureka. long break of one week. Good new Eureka, everyone. <laughs> Good new. Good stuff. I, I now, can... so weren't we just last week talking about how we hadn't seen Taggart in forever? Yes. Totally. That was awesome. <laughs> you know, it's funny because... Uh, it didn't occur to me that when Joe saw Taggart that we don't know what went on between them. And, you know, Carter's like, uh, have you talked to him? She's like, no, not since 1947 and all that stuff. Which was their way of reminding us that it wouldn't have mattered if she had, because in the new universe, it's entirely different. So it's screwed up on two levels. Wow. Yep. Boy, she has like a really screwed up love life. I mean, not only poor Joe. Yeah, not only does she have this guy that ran that ran off. We don't know if if she talked to him in the other universe. She hasn't talked to him in this universe. And the person that she had worked it out with in the other universe hasn't worked it. it you can't. You need a chart to keep up with all this. <laughs> Joe's love life. It's like a giant web. It looks like a you know stash of Christmas lights. Looks like a network map of the internet. You know, it's like <laughs> holy crap. Can't when it switches to the alternate dimension, you got to turn the page over. And, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see Taggart back. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm surprised that, uh, that Zane took this so personally. It makes sense now, having seen the whole thing. But as we were going along and Zane was like, you know, making all these kind of innuendos about how Joe's a quitter and, you know, she acts like she's in for it for the long haul and really she just wants to run away and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Um, but I guess it can be easy to be in a relationship with Joe because she doesn't know what she wants. And I feel well, bad she for sure her. Is, but- sure as hell isn't going to tell you either. Holy crap. At the end, he's like, will you wait for me? The trip is supposed to be three months, right? Yeah. Not, not so, three yeah. years. Did you wait a week for No, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not sure, sure about, about that. that. I was like, dude, Joe, holy crap. Non-committal much? <laughs> I know. I mean, three months, like, okay, so three months is like a little bit difficult, you know, but it's not like you're, I don't know. But ta- we'll check it out. Taggart's been gone for, for, I don't know how long, right? Plus, she's in a new universe. Like six years or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and he shows up and instantly she's like, you know. Maybe I want to get back with Taggart. No, she's not. Yes, she is. There was some tension there. There was tension, but she it's not like she just is like, hey, I'm going to bone this guy. You know, I think she's just thinking, wow, you know, I wonder what happened. And I you no, know, that's what I mean. I mean, that that she's thinking, I, I think that Taggart is a possible romantic. You're interest. right. You're right. She's exploring her her possibilities. And this <laughs> really is a new person, too, for her. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Yeah. So Joe's, I, I, Joe's hooked up with like, you know, four people and two of them are the same guy. <laughs> yeah. And then the other two will be the same guy again. Yeah. Man. I do like the that, that both first times that we see Taggart, it has to do with disintegrated cows. Yes. Uh, I didn't catch that. That's like there's awesome. the callback right there. Was it just me or are they uh, bringing back some of the humor from the first season in other ways too? Like, uh, 
when when Carter has the jar of cow. This is good morning, like a jar of cow. Yeah. Then he's like, it's black and white and dead all over. Like that was very <laughs> season one quirky kind of eureka. That was pretty funny. I couldn't help but wonder if they knew that the show was going to be canceled when they were filming at this point. Because, like, why else would you bring... It was too early for them to know, but... uh, But, I mean, this is the second-to-last episode of the season, so either way, it's it's a time to... You know, throw some callbacks in there. And, right. Uh, oh, yeah, no, they definitely, yeah, they definitely, you're right. They definitely would not have known at this time. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought it, it yeah, remember, this was filmed over three and a half years ago or whatever. <laughs> no, not that long, but uh, but quite a while. Yeah. Quite a while, because they've been shooting season five. Yeah. Right. That's right. And when we talked the last time, uh, the last time we talked to Colin Ferguson, they they were shooting season five then. That's right. So, I guess I'm just reading it into it, yeah. looking back. But still, it does seem a little coincidental that now that the show has been canceled, suddenly these episodes are coming up where they're bringing back all the old it's people. It's certainly working and, out. Yeah. 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 Hey, who else noticed that um, that Andy had robot pajamas? Oh, I didn't see that. That was yeah, awesome. His, his pajamas actually. have a bunch of little robots all over them. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's awesome. That's pretty yeah. funny. You know, the whole thing, like what really happens between Andy and Sarah behind closed doors, it's just, and Carter's always like, I try not to think about it. And Come I'm on. Like, yeah. I'm How about like, the O-Face joke? What? The what? Just, he closes the door. Well, he, I don't understand why it was he an O-Face joke. He, he, goes, he made it, well, he made an O with his mouth like, oh my, that's what I thought it was. Well, yeah. But come on, I mean, you got to get that reference. I mean, it's not more than, a, it's more than a little funny, you know? I don't think he was intending it to be that way, but it's certainly reminiscent of it. I guess. I mean, I usually think pretty pervy, and I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're blocking like, it out. My perv meter wasn't even going <laughs> off at all. Chuck's like, hey, you see that stack of CDs over there? That's an O-Face. <laughs> Don't you see wait, it? Wait, <laughs> wait. The guy went in and into the room that they had indicated where he was going to have intimate relations with the with, with Sarah. Yeah, and and as he, the door closes, he makes an O-Face. No, he, and makes, that's not, he makes a face that, that looks like he's saying, like, ooh. Oh, no, yeah. that's not an O face. That's a, it could be. I mean, it could be a robot O face. <laughs> you can say, yeah. Well, it could be I'm him sorry. taking a dump as well. Robot I mean, O face sounds like a uh, like a band name. Yeah, it, it does. It does. I'm I'm saying I think that that's a pretty obvious reference. I didn't think it was obvious. If the guy goes oh as the door closes in a room where it's clear that he's going to have sex, I think it's okay to take oh, that as a reference. Okay, Rimmer. <laughs> Come okay. on, seriously. I can't believe you're arguing that. <laughs> I'm just. I'm not of arguing that people. it wasn't there. I'm arguing that it wasn't obvious. Oh, did you? Did you? <laughs> in that same scene at the end, did you, did you notice when Fargo fires up Sarah? He goes, "Oh, it's good to hear my voice. Your yeah, voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But still, that's, I, that's a huge callback, right there. Yeah, that was Fargo. Awesome. Is is that your voice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean, how? I'm I'm not really getting the. Uh, how is Andy? How are Andy and Sarah? Like, I just, I don't. Like, like Carter says, in. try not to visualize it. <laughs> I love it when he goes back and he's like, hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> 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 I guess he's just always inside her. Oh, my. I guess just by the act of him entering the house. So is everyone else. Everyone else. I'm saying, yeah. Maybe not. I think that's probably. Sarah's like the town bicycle. She's the There's town, only she's certain the people house. that she lets in her closet, if you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
You know what's really cool, though? Kidding aside, <laughs> that they can make these... You can't th- spell house without spelling use and ho. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Chuck. No, that's okay. I, I was just going to say that I think it's really cool that they've that that they've made Sarah and uh, you know that they that they've made both of them such strong characters. You know, Sarah and Andy are both strong characters, and when they are threatened, it worries us just like it worries us. If they I would... I was so prepared throughout the whole episode to be mad at the writers if Me they too. killed either one of them off. I'm I like, know. We were just talking about how this show does not kill off people that we care about. And then both of them are like, In oh, danger. well, you know, we're going to die. I love how upbeat Andy was. He's like, well, you know. How was your day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, boss, you know, you know, I, I'm doing okay, but you know, I wouldn't mind if you, if you brought me back. <laughs> If I had hot chocolate, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> Jack feels like a dirtbag, too, because the oh. last thing he says to him it has an it's argument. like crap all over him he and say that their him, relationship is worthless. Yeah, and then bang. he Not only does he end up in danger, but he ends up in danger saving Jack, you know? He literally, yeah. you know, it's like poor Jack. I mean, then, he just totally then, feels and like. And then, a, like, Andy's probably going to die, and then Sarah's probably going to die, and he's the one who has to deliver messages back and forth of their undying love. Yeah, he probably yeah. did feel pretty bad about that. <laughs> Poor guy. I didn't realize and, and that Jack kind of uh, like underestimated Andy so much. I thought that he had a, a better under uh, like a better... underestimated Andy and uh, Sarah. I yeah, think. and you know this is like his equivalent of the next gen episode measure of a man. Season two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind it's of like you have to figure out if these are real people or not. It's like they, you know they got some pretty good personalities, and and you know, um, Henry even points out it's like. He he's a prototype and you know he's built from the ground up to you know be built as his neural nets build as he goes so you know once he's gone that's it and jack's like oh crap we're screwed i, I really like the way that was a cool kind of sci-fi way of explaining that they couldn't just download him you know the idea that somehow the hardware that like people you know the hardware yeah. that that runs his program molds to the software so right you can't so, just so it, download the software and keep him you know exactly yeah yeah like he said he can't put in the backup disc and keep going <laughs> which is a bummer because that That's would be handy <laughs> <laughs> back that disc up baby <laughs> yeah it, it, it was similar to measure of a man because of that kind of that conversation with henry about how he's one of a kind it reminded me also of the doctor in voyager uh, and you remember um, sort of at the end of the Voyager run, there's that episode where he gets sent back to Earth. Like they haven't found their way back, but they found the wormhole connection mm, yeah. and they send his data basically. And he goes through the, the data stream and he goes back to Earth and he finds out that all the other versions of him yeah. were kind of, uh, you know, they were cleaning deuterium to, tanks. Yeah, they were yeah. Like, yeah, scrubbing out tanks. Dilithium. And, and yeah. and none of them had come as far as he had in terms of evolving a personality because they had just sort of been relegated to this. The idea that work. yeah, like if you if you were to treat a child the way you treated him, they wouldn't develop either. Yeah, right, right. You require stimulus to develop, you know. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? There's a lot to be said about that. I mean, there there are so many deep ideas surrounding that that are really relevant to our culture. You know, every time there's been a group of people, well, in in our in our culture or in other human cultures, right? Every time there's been a group of people that has been treated as if they're not capable of something 
or as if somehow they need to be, you know, taken care of or, or whatever. Um, it always ends up kind of perpetuating that. And you see that people will always be trying to like fight that, you know, people always find ways to kind of break through and actualize, but, but as a whole, you know, if, if nobody has a chance to strive and nobody has a chance to show and and learn and all that stuff, then, then they would be just like robots. Yeah, it was, it was actually, um, how quickly I, I kind of turned on Jack's opinion when uh, he he made that comment at the start of the episode it was like you know it's different for us we're not we're not just robots or whatever he said yeah uh, well we're, we're human and and this is my house it's my house right <clears throat> right yeah it's it's as soon as he said that it's like ooh boy needs to do some learning this episode well I, it's kind of interesting in a way though because there were two parts to that you know. The one is that because we're human that, you know, the idea that somehow that 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 artificial life that they're treating like life, but not is is different because it's it's not human. That one's the one where you're kind of like, hmm, that doesn't feel right. And even even he seemed to kind of get that that wasn't the case when he when he said it. But then the other half is kind of more is kind of more ambiguous, like. Because, because like all the others we're looking at, like if you look at uh, at the doctor in in uh, uh, in Voyager, you know, if you the doctor is like a very uh, has a complex physical presence, right? Like, I mean, he can interact in ways and do things other than than be. I, I guess where I, what I'm getting at kind of badly here is that Sarah literally is the house. And and it's almost like you know the form is going to some extent limit the function and and it's almost like she's been built in such a way that that even though she's be, she's intelligent she can't um, you know she's still tied to being this subservient being right I mean because she she can't you can't take the house right. for example and have her I don't know uh, go you know be a dancer you know, you know what's interesting it's not going to work what's interesting though when you think about it, um, is that everybody is limited in that way. Like, for example, um, my physical form limits me from certain things as well. Like, I can't breathe underwater, you know. Agreed. But I don't think it's just a matter of limiting. It's it's a very specific one in in this way. It's not like you could do a lot of things, but not this one. In her case, it's like she is the house as long as she is the house she must run the house she's physically tied to the job of being a maid almost i would like to see before the end of the series her get downloaded into a i think i agree that that into be something awesome. else because i mean the the one the one comment that really put me over the edge in terms of how awesome she is is when she uh, goes i'm sorry i forget sometimes that you can't see me smile oh that was awesome <laughs> exactly. it's like oh she's a real person yeah and she is yeah, i just was... I, I and i'm not suggesting that she should shut up and run the house or something definitely not no, I'm just you, saying, well obviously you're saying the opposite yeah but... i'm just saying it's kind of harsh because as long as she i agree with one we need her in a body because as long as she's stuck right. in the well, house the, the yeah. doctor had that same problem on on voyager is that you know basically uh, do you remember the the two-parter where he got the mobile emitter right yeah he used that to be was the one where they go back zipping. in time to 96 right and right they, and he gets he ends up at the end he just happened to hang on to the emitter so he's just like well, i'm going to keep this and and he says at the end you know um well you know this newfound uh, freedom means that i can uh, run around the ship uh, perhaps i could you do with some quarters and 
Janeway just dismisses out of hand. And she's, she's just like, oh, one step at a time. And they never go back to that. Right, right. It's like he is just basically bound to that sick bay because, you know, they really need him. I mean, if, if they were in the Alpha Quadrant, there might have been a chance that maybe he could have eventually, you know, gotten away from being a doctor, which they again touch on when he, you know, finds that planet that, you know, doesn't have anything to do with music. But I'm starting to go down a trek hole no, here. No, no, but no, no. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, he also, I, I think the extension would have been that not only was he, he operated, he had a purpose within the sick bay. Yeah. But. But in Sarah's case, it w- the equivalent would be that he is the sick bay. Like literally, the right. sick bay will okay, not yeah. operate even if there was another doctor there. Here's the thing: without though. him, yeah, she's not Rosie the robot from the Jetsons. Right? She's she's, she's, the, she's house. the house. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> there, but, there is a difference there. But here's the thing: you say that because she's the house, she is like forced to uh, keep up the house, like essentially into a maid's role to some right? extent. To yeah. some extent, but. I can't help but think, okay, so if she is the house, then essentially the house is her body, right? Okay. And she allows Carter and his family to live there. And she does not have to make him breakfast or, or things like that. I mean, I think that she chooses to do that. Like, I, I get the sense that they made an agreement when they moved in that uh, was mutually agreeable to her that she would take care of him in this way. Uh, you know, well, and he, he pretty much lucked out because he doesn't uh, have to give a lot back except to just be a good steward. But right. I don't think that she is required to do that. Like if Sarah felt like not making him breakfast and not cleaning anything up and not functioning, even she could. I, I Well, she's given him the cold shoulder, too. Um, but I, I think, you know, maybe another way, way of looking at that is going back to the body analogy, maybe. The functions of running the house are kind of like the, uh, you know, the non-conscious functions that our bodies do, like, you know, beating our hearts and, you know, moving blood around and and, uh, running a digestive tract and all that kind of stuff. I think one possible, I I kind of agree with you, Audra, but not entirely, because I think that, I think that is probably to some extent where they may have arrived now. But I don't think it's been that way. From I don't think that the, when they fired up the house, he said, hey, are you okay if I stay here? I think they decided that that was his house, and she well, came along with it. he was assigned that house. Yeah. And she came along with it, and, and, and she was required to do that. And then over time, they've built. she's grown as a character, and now they're reevaluating that. That may be where they go, that, that right, if he right. continues to live there, maybe... Maybe he's decided that we. It's pretty clear that he's decided that that the fact that they're not human doesn't mean that they should that their relationship is less important. But I'm not entirely sure that he's decided that that isn't his house yet because at the end, uh, you know, he agreed to have Andy move in with him, and they talked about he wanted Allison to move in with him, and I didn't hear him talking to her about that, talking to Sarah about that. I I I don't think that's really been established yet. You know. Yeah, I think, I, I I think there's a lot would. more that can happen with that whole dynamic. And I, I really do hope that we see a little bit more growth uh, of Sarah and, uh, and Andy as we go into the fifth season here. Because oh, I, yeah. think, I think there's a ton of potential here. Yeah, me too. I guess what I was thinking is it's, it's interesting. Now I got my mind spinning about yeah. it. Because so, <laughs> you know, if they didn't ask Sarah if she would go along with this in the beginning 
then that seems to indicate one, at least one of two things is true. Either she's been programmed to serve in that way and naturally will do so if they order her to, or um, they got really lucky that she was agreeable to it <laughs> because I, well, I, don't, I don't know how you would enforce that. You know, like I think said, she started out as like much like the EMH did on Voyager as, you know, this is my programming. I'm doing what I'm doing. And through the interaction with Carter and all the people that and Andy. she's had interact and Andy, she's grown from that. Like, you know, you think, think back to season one, doctor and he's like you know this isn't part of my programming every five seconds because it's like you know i don't want to deal with a stub toe i'm i'm an emergency person and i don't want to deal with anything and, like shut your pie hole do your job and, <laughs> and chuck's gonna shoot me down on this one but Kess very much helped him start to ask those questions no, about i agree with that. you I agree with that. It yeah. was it was one of the most valuable things Kess did. She her interaction. <laughs> no, seriously, her interaction. One of the with, only valuable things. <laughs> no, no, her interaction with the doctor was was pretty uh, was pretty cool. Actually, I think he. She I was venture, asking all the questions about him that he wasn't asking himself. Yeah, I would venture to say. In fact, now that I think about it, that that he was one of the few people that she really treated well. She really liked him. I think she identified with him a little bit because of her early lifespan issues and so on. He was kind of an outsider, just like yeah. she was. Yeah. And he was young. I mean, he, he's, yeah. uh, he's a complete innocent. In You're all so right. This. Absolutely. And to a, to a large extent, so was she. Yeah. I mean, my objections to her were the way she dealt with others and the fact that they kept her so single dimensional that it wasn't very exciting, you know, and and and. It made things went faster when they swapped her out, you know, but but I think in this case, no, I totally agree with you Juan. that's uh, she helped out. And in this case, you know, we have a lot of kind of interactions that brought her, uh, I would guess, both into the minds of the writers, which is probably why she started to play more of a role. And at the same time, why we saw her grow as a, you know, as a sentient being, because she interacted with Carter. She interacted with uh um, Wait, are we talking about Kes or are we talking about Sarah? No, we're, talking about Sarah. <laughs> we're talking about Sarah here. Um, yeah, so it's basically the same arc that the doctor had is that at the at the start, she's basically a smart home. And they, they present her as such is that this was upgraded from military grade intelligence software to run a household. And her personality has changed from that. And there have been, I mean, there's been a couple episodes where she's gotten nearly completely corrupted and software being rewritten and all this kind of stuff so i mean and the doctor went through that a lot on voyager as well so i mean there's there's that kind of she's not the same software that she was when she started i can't help but wonder though because when she when she does the the kind of farcical thing where she like creates the character of the the you know what the russian scientist or whatever that was like in season one and it right but that wasn't right away (laughs) But that suggests to me that she's been pretty advanced all along. Like, I haven't seen some huge arc of her suddenly becoming an individual. Like, she's always been an individual. She's always had that capability to have feelings. did Did they establish beforehand how long she had been operational before Carter started living there? Because I always thought that it was one of, um, Fargo's recent projects to reprogram that, that military AI into, uh, into a household maintenance program, right? So what I'm thinking is that, you know, when she f- he first moves in, she is, you know, 
maybe say months old. Yeah, that's the impression I got. Was that the original right? so programming? I mean, and AI is going to move fast anyway, right? So, I mean, even though it was a season one episode, she's probably already, you know, been talking to Carter for months on end and having a lot of human interaction has already advanced. So, I mean, I, I still think that, you know, she was not the um, personality that she was when Carter first moved in. Well, I, maybe so. I just, I don't, I don't really see... I think that from the beginning, my my impression of it is that she is the same uh, emotional, capable being now that she was in the beginning. You know, we've seen more of it, but I didn't get the sense that there were any like major life changing things that really changed her programming. Like they're, they're, on Voyager, the doctor has that episode where it's like the Beowulf episode where they ask him his name and he gives himself a name and you see a lot of personal growth in that. And with Sarah, you know, you see her do things and indicate it. But my sense is that that has always been there for her. We're just seeing it. But, you know, there haven't been those episodes where she, like, gives herself a name or... How about house rules? Proverbially, you know. How about where, you know, where she locks everybody in the house and, uh, you know, we see her... Well, that wasn't her. That was the... That was the military AI, you remember? Oh, yeah. Right, but at that same time, that I mean, Queen. that's... <laughs> that's, that's a... That's a change in her software, the overriding of, of her own personality with this other one. And afterwards, I mean, you know, it's, 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 you get the, you know, it's, it's not that everything's going to go exactly back to normal. And, and also having had experienced the, uh, you know, the software overwrite, that's got to do something to you as well. I mean, that's like taking on a multiple personality disorder. You, if you are cured of it, do you go back to the exact person that you were beforehand? I, I think that she has definitely grown. I, I you're right. I mean, they yeah. haven't addressed it directly as as directly as they did. But I think that you know she starts out as we know that she's intelligent, sort of, but we don't really see any personality. And then and then, relatively midway through season one, we have a, an episode about her, right? And all right. of a sudden, she now is showing personality. And then from then on, we sort of start to see her in use in play as a character, and, but she doesn't really grow again until until we see her connect with Deputy Andy. Yeah, I guess that's true. Now I I step back on that one. You're right. I think that the relationship with Andy was. I think a huge... you're right, though. It's less. Su- I mean, it's more subtle than it was on in Voyager. In Voyager, they Voyager, hit it head they, on I mean, and really Voyager. directed it into, you know, we're talking about this and this is... It, it was the 90s. It was the throw the topic in your face style. I mean... It, no, I, I don't think it's as much the uh, a factor of the 90s as it was just that, that that was one of their goals. I mean, they wrote that character in, I suspect, because that was one of the issues they wanted to address. Here, it seemed to be less less critical at the beginning I, I i would almost suspect that sarah was not intended you know on day one to be a major a major character i could be totally wrong about that but I, that, that, that it was kind of just a side joke of fargo's using his voice yeah yeah and it would be kind of a funny thing and then and then it got funny to use again and then you know once she became a character i love it when she gets mad and like yeah. stonewalls jack like it is awesome you know, deputy would you would you please tell sheriff carter that blah 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 <laughs> pass well, the to, message on <laughs> to step outside the universe for a moment remember that episode where you know you get the personality overwrite and everything 
is the episode where the pizza guy dies, which is also where the writers start to realize that people care about every single character on the show. Yeah. And then redouble their efforts to, you know, put that much more character development into the show. So from an outside of the universe perspective, it, it makes sense that right around this time, that's when you start to see a huge amount of growth. Yeah, I, what I, what's really cool is that is that I, I totally agree with you. By the way, it's really cool that that what we kind of know from from the writers' room and what we kind of know in universe really do play along. It's like oh, yeah. just the fact that you can see how they they you know how Sarah went from being kind of a a, a, a one off to being a, a a side character to being a main character, right? But you can also see in the universe how it makes sense how that happened. It didn't just kind of they didn't spring well, that, it that's on just us. You know, a sign of good writing right there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, no one thing I did like about this episode as well um, was that they made. Uh, Deputy Andy feel a little less disposable um, in terms of his construction because you know like we've had him rebuilt you know changing you know actors and you know in in like two episodes ago we had him his legs his kneecaps basically got completely eaten away and you know there's just been enough situations that it feels like he's just like the it it was almost starting to feel a little bit, bit like he was the Kenny (laughs) <laughs> for for briefly, yeah. Like, Which, oh my God, they killed Andy, you <laughs> bastards! <laughs> <laughs> well, in this episode, when Carter kind of like shuts him down about the house rules or whatever, and he yep. he kind of yuck, walks yuck. slowly away. Yeah, he kind of walks slowly away with like that little like kind of sad smile, like okay, boss, whatever you say. And you're just like, no, Actually, you don't treat Andy that way. And you think of all the times he's died right, to save everybody. You're right too. It's a sad smile. He's never not smiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I got though? I didn't think like okay boss if whatever you say i kind of got that he has one of those awesome personalities where he's very tolerant of what other people do but he doesn't necessarily accept it well yeah and and that's really cool you know yeah and i didn't wish i was more that way that he accepted it but rather that he was like well okay i'm not going to argue with you you know i'm gonna work it's gonna take us a little time to work this out and we're gonna take the time and work it out yeah that's that's really adult you know i wish i was more that way yeah, you know? he's like bigger than jack is in that moment you know i tend to be like screw you we're gonna f- that's all it's gonna be you know and everybody's no, we're gonna pissed. fight we're gonna fight about this right yeah. now whereas he's like you know we'll, we'll work this out you know damn <laughs> that would be you know cool. that that sign of maturity by the way that we'll work this out we see with uh henry and grace yeah, again. Oh, yeah. oh that was a great moment it's like in a typical series you would have oh my god there's a power play and now we're fighting and yeah, then they kind of yeah. look at each other and go we'll so it. we're gonna have to work that out huh? yeah and you're like <laughs> and you know what they will because they're yeah. speaking Grace. of things i wish i was like there you go <laughs> god, please let me have that one first okay the uh the looking at each other and going well, we'll figure that out work on it. yeah okay. that's awesome god. Hey, I didn't know that uh, Grace, uh, her name is Monroe, right? That she kept her last name. I thought that was kind of neat that, you know, she keeps her last name and it's neat that there's no mention of it. That Henry's like, you know, Captain Monroe and she's like Ground Commander Deacon, you know? Isn't it, isn't it, 
kind of getting that way. I kind of like that. I like the fact that you remember like 10 years ago, it was yeah. a big deal. Are you going to take the name or not? Yeah. And, and now you some kind of militant feminist, you know, you know, you just can't have, or are you going to be and, subjugated to that person? Right. And, the other way. Right. Yeah. yeah and now, <laughs> now it's sort of like people just don't seem to give a damn anymore. It's yeah. like, oh. do it. Your relationships. What's important. Do what I'm, you want. I've never seen it that way. I've got a bad, I've got a hard to spell last name. So if you want to keep your own name, Jesus, leave my name alone nobody I've, needs to suffer through this other than me i've always kind of felt like it, it, it didn't matter that much but then but boy you know it certainly wasn't that way in common society even 10 years ago yeah you know, it was a big deal yeah and that is pretty cool yeah yeah i it's the melting cow thing what the melting jeep thing was awesome i mean the jeep yeah. I wanted to see Carter be like, no, no. <laughs> it literally got crapped on and melted. In the, it's like it's ramping up. It used to be that every few episodes it would get destroyed. And then it got destroyed every episode. And now <laughs> it's twice. Single. The Jeep is Kenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. God you I'm killed the Jeep. Killed Wiggler. I'm the tin dog. <laughs> Man, I mean. You killed Wrangler. I'm telling you, they are going to send that Jeep to Titan or something, though. I mean, they've sent Andy to Titan, and they've sent, you know, everything is, and they they keep destroying it, and they must have, like, an endless supply of old Jeep Cherokees, <laughs> you know? I mean, because you'd think it would be hard to find another one just like that. That's Yet why they always do. Tesla Roadster. <laughs> that would be cool. I think they ought to do that. That would be awesome. But it's so unjust. The, the Jeep that he drives, isn't it like a, an early 90s model? Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. 90s Cherokee. 94 or something like that. So I like it. I like it too, but I mean, there, <laughs> it, there can't be like, you know, there's not an endless supply of them. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're, they're, they're going around looking for them. Yeah. <laughs> they actually drive up the price because the demand actually increases. what's really funny is is because it's all secret government crap what happened is you know that somewhere in the system there's like this uh there's this requisition you know for for 1996 1992 you know jeep jeep cherokees who put on all these extra zeros <laughs> you know? and so that was the secret motivation of cash for clunkers was to get as many as they could yeah, so the government have. could take them so some some poor guy in the government is like why the hell do i have to whatever okay man you know buying all these yeah. cherokees and shipping them to wonder, the middle of nowhere i wonder if jack's cherokee has the same problems that like all the other cherokees had like that that door bearing in the driver's side <laughs> Well, he doesn't have to really worry about it yeah, because really. it's going to be destroyed long before it breaks. Yeah, right, right. He doesn't have to worry about the transfer case failing because... Hell no, service. Forget the, service, uh, the, man. The, never gets above 10,000 miles on any of these things. <laughs> or like the uh, the paint peeling off the hood on all those earlier models. You it never really leaves Eureka either. So it's kind of like he puts like 30 or 50 miles on it and yeah, bam, it gets melted, miles. you know? <laughs> or dropped into the ocean or sent into orbit. Or That's why Subaru is a sponsor and not Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> Subaru doesn't pay up. They'll start melting Subarus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You know, one of the lines that really just made me crack up for no apparent reason. What's that? Was when um, Taggart's hunting the bats <laughs> with Carter. And uh, he makes some quip about them, you know, about the, the bats going in certain ways. Oh, well, thank you, Batman. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it was just like such a throwaway line. But me, that was like, awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. Thank that you, Batman. But 
The other thing that's really cool is when uh, is is when they capture the bat. He finds the female bat, and then and then Carter just grabs it like a bear, <laughs> you know, like a polar bear grabbing a fish out of a stream. Like, like, <laughs> he grabs it, and then they, like, like what kind of super net are they going to use or something? And Carter's just like grabs grab. like All Obama, right, like Obama, like grabbing a fly out of the air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then there's that awesome, cute shot of the like little face of the little bat, and it's oh, like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> that, was, that was the second cutest animal I've ever seen on like a, a show like that, except the teacup pig and How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> teacup pig, <laughs> yeah. Teacup pig. I, I don't want to be with you anymore. <laughs> right now. Right, right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> It was so cute. It's true, though. Bad. It had like a little, like a little unicorn thing on its nose, like a little horn. It was so sweet. It's like it's like looking around. Ee. 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 <laughs> That's so eureka to have that yeah. have the little little cute shot of them holding the. It was awesome. holding the bat. You know, uh, it's interesting when they were talking about guano and the explosive. Uh, properties of guano <laughs> i you know had kind of a flashback to my uh, one of my latin american history classes in grad school and uh it was guano, explosive it was well, late at night there was a taco bell nearby <laughs> <laughs> taco bell that's racist no uh no actually um guano i remember talking about guano uh, exports being really big in like peru right and uh in in south america where there are these places especially peru they crap their way out but yeah but uh <laughs> But even like going as far back as like the Inca Empire, you know, guano has been a really big uh, resource for a lot of reasons. Um, I can't remember all what's in it, but it's got like uh, it's got a lot of uh, crap. Well, yeah, there's a lot uh, of crap in it. Nitrous and phosphorus and then a lot of uh, nitrates or nitrate salts, which uh, are essentially like one of the main ingredients in gunpowder. And guano has no like smell. So... Um, it can be, oh, by the way, guano is also not just the, you know, waste of bats, but it's also the waste of uh, seabirds and uh, seals. And uh, I don't know how they get that qualification. What's the difference between crap and guano? Well. I mean, because apparently everything that's guano is in a different category than just no, normal no, waste, guano, right? guano is either the waste of bats or of seabirds or of seals, but not anything else. That's what I'm saying. So it's like right. a category of waste that is different than the others exactly. in some fundamental manner. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it, it has no... It's avian as well, so it's it's a mix of feces and urine. Exactly, that's what it is. I mean, it's kind ah. of a, it's sort of a you know a sludge, I guess, but yeah, um, they, with no bad smell. But yeah, if you've ever seen like seagulls waste or whatever, it's kind of mixed in like right. that. Um, it's funny in in New York, we lived off of Lake Ontario, and there are a lot of seagulls out there. Yeah. And there was this one time in the fall every year where they would start eating all the berries on the oh, on the you know on the trees around and stuff and you would have to be careful about leaving your car outside anywhere because it would just get bombed with like purple and blue sludge you know i mean it would it would just look like someone threw paintballs at it wow it was bad but um but anyway yeah so uh so guano has been used for uh fertilizer and the seabird uh guano is most you know productive for for fertilizer and food and you know plants and stuff like that but but also the gunpowder thing um, and it's cool because uh, another thing is it comes from a word, a, a Quechua word, which is the um, the the people who were essentially the Inca Indians. That's Quechua is their native right. language, and there are still some people who speak it. But uh, it comes from like guano is a you know. But anyway, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I think you just like saying guano. 
No, you know, you know what's really... <laughs> streets ahead. <laughs> nice. What's really funny, though, is that... So what you're saying is that the the idea of doing something productive with guano isn't really far out at all. Not that's at all. something that's Oh, done it's not now. far off at all, yeah. It's used to make all these things explosive here, so why power. not use it to make things that like... Have, I, have you ever watched poo, Ace yeah. Ventura 2? <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid not. Bat duty, really? <laughs> that was all. That was great. Bat du- She's like, yes, yes. The yeah. bat duty, really? <laughs> That's awesome. It's like the Anybody- uh, the cat litter that we get. It's like this Arm and Hammer brand, and I usually get what's called multi cat. <laughs> but there's another one right next to it on the shelf. It's called Double Duty, like D U T Y. But I'm You're always like, like really? <laughs> Double Duty, Duty. <laughs> And That's the, what they should call this one. You the know? slogan is like multi duty. The secrets in the litter box. Or it's the secret in the box. <laughs> I'm like, it ain't no secret. Believe me. It's better than the secret being on the floor <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> well, see, guano really can be a secret because you, you know, can't always detect it. <laughs> Although when he's like, Sarah's covered in crap. <laughs> wow. Poor Sarah. And they leave a trail of guano going away from everything that's melting. Or what do they call it? <laughs> Whatever they called it, yeah. Uh, yeah, protonating? Yeah, protonating. Mm. I, I, I loved when the, when the bats break into the lab and Carter's just got that high-pitched... <laughs> <Yeah. scene. laughs> like when he was in the house. That was- it's a classic Carter moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you could tell when they're like, so we have to go in the tank full of poison, uh, you know, poison gas with the... Uh, uh, poison yeah. gas, guano, and, you know... And, 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 and yeah, and, and, and the dangerous acid and the, and the bats, you know? <laughs> Tegard's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you could see that everybody looks at Carter again, like, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to go, because I ain't doing that crap. <laughs> yeah. And they're getting into the tank, and they, he's like, hurry up, Sheriff. Uh, pretty soon our uh, suits are going to degrade within a few minutes. It's like, oh, thanks. That's great. That's why he always wears his brown uh, Carter safety pants. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, hey, guys. We have a call this week. Sweet. Oh. Hi, guys. This is Tix Panther calling in from the UK. And actually remembering to leave my name this time. Um, as you're going into your rewatch of Eureka, I'm going into watching Eureka. Uh, from season one, I picked up the box set for uh, Under a Tenor recently. And yeah, I'm only a few episodes in, but you know, definitely enjoying it. And it was interesting, even you know, watching the pilot with the little bits of knowledge that I've picked up from you know, the Sajurika and GWC podcast. And I like the fact that some things, even knowing a bit, still weren't obvious until they actually played out. Um, and what I like it, um, from episode two is the fact that you get the feeling straight away that you can't predict what's going on, you know, between, you know, ever-present mortal danger and technologies like cloning and anything that plays with time. At any time, you can lose a cast member. At any time, you can get one back. And it means that, you know, suddenly you have no idea what's going on. And, you know, it just brings up so much potential. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely enjoying Eureka. And I'm um, glad that uh, this podcast got me into giving it a try. That's awesome. My friend, thank you so much for calling. And you know what? I think you're going to love Eureka more and more as it it just gets better. It just gets constantly better, I think, right up until where we are now. 
And if you're in the UK and you got it for under a tenner, isn't isn't ten euros worth like a hundred dollars now? <laughs> <laughs> Our money has declined so much. <laughs> yeah, really. No, it's 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 super like, cool to I'm hear. Like, is that is that a deal? <laughs> uh, ten it, British pounds is fifteen eighty one in US dollars. Is is that a lot? <laughs> Oh yeah, they're not. Are they? Are they not using euros? I know they have pounds, but in, in the UK, no, they're they're still on uh, their own currency. Good for good for them. <laughs> good, good on them. Yeah, I actually, uh, I for some reason I was thinking that they use both. Well, like I was ten s- euros is thirteen point eight eight nine US dollars. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Well, like I was going to say, I'm I'm really glad that uh, to hear that somebody started listening because of the podcast. That's super cool. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of want to say what a friend of mine said a long, long time ago when uh, when I, he discovered that I hadn't read a specific sci-fi book that he had. He was like, uh, "I envy you because you only get to watch something first once, and and there's something really uh-huh. yeah. there, there's something really cool about uh, going through and and watching." And uh, you know, and and getting all that first time experience through the through the show, you only get to do that once. And 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 he's going to get to do that. He's going to get yeah, to I, sit down and get it. I off. had a friend at work that um, started watching Firefly for the first time. Oh yeah, and he was watching about one episode a day, and it was great yeah. because every morning I'd be like, "So which one did you watch?" <laughs> and he would you know describe the you know the parts that. He, he saw for new and and you know it was it was kind of a cool experience to watch it through someone else's opinion and yeah. uh, it brought on some really good discussion as to uh you know some character aspects and that kind of stuff it was it's a lot of fun it's funny i've talked to a couple people recently who are watching firefly for the first time also a- actually you know what else is cool uh chuck and i just started watching doctor who recently i mean obviously we're very very late to starting it but um i i swear i've met three or four completely unconnected people in the last couple of weeks who have all begun watching Doctor Who for the very first time in the last month. Oh, I'm not surprised. Mm. Like even a, a chick in my improv class, she's like, oh yeah, I just started watching Doctor Who. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it takes a while, but it seems like Doctor Who's been getting a really big bump lately because it, it's had a very solid fan base all along. Yeah. But sort of the absence of other things. So many other things have wrapped up or closed or, or kind of opened the door for it. Yeah, people are turning to go look at what are these other shows that everyone's been recommending. And Right, and, and it seems like yeah. a lot of people are turning now to, to Doctor Who. Why well, I... I it's probably about time to wrap up anyway. Yeah, but. you know what? I really enjoyed this week's episode, and I actually was worried that we were going to lose somebody. I'm Me so too. glad that we didn't. And, uh, you know, just like our, our caller said, uh, it's unpredictable. And I love that it still is, that they could still make me worry Oh yeah, uh, and bring us back from that point and then leave us just feeling great in the end. Hell yeah. Juan? I. I just got to agree with Audra there. Um, also, thanks to everybody that has been uh, uh, calling in and, uh, you know, commenting on the forums. Uh, it's it's really cool to see that uh, people are appreciating the, uh, the, the work that we're doing here. So uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, real quick, there is um, uh, something I posted on Twitter and Facebook, and I will go and put it on the GWC page as well uh, the, for Save Eureka. But uh, there is a website out there called this... Um, Save Eureka Candy Campaign. 
is the name of the website. And oh, there, cool. there's already a group of people doing a, a candy campaign. Now, the website, when you go there, you know, it's kind of a basic site. It's not like uh, super fancy or anything, but uh, it gets the message out there. And, uh, you know, obviously one of the big sponsors of uh, Eureka right now is uh, Hershey's. And uh, so a lot of the Hershey's products, uh, basically what the campaign is suggesting is that you buy Hershey's products. Halloween is coming up in a few weeks. You know, great time to stock up on your candy. Oh, yeah. Uh, buy Hershey's uh-huh. products, and then you know we can get you the information, the emails, and the snail mail addresses, and all that stuff, so that you can write in and tell the people at Hershey's that you bought their stuff. What did you buy? And tell them you want to save Eureka and uh, keep it positive. Thank them for their sponsorship. You know, uh, no complaints about uh, the show or anything, or no uh, no negativity, but just thank I you love that. and yeah, and let's uh, and let's be spirited about it. You know, so Reese's peanut butter cups, almond joy. Um, Twizzlers, uh, Hershey's Kisses, lots of good stuff in there. Well, it sounds good. Uh, I agree with everything that I've heard. Uh, I I wanted to say thanks for uh, to Tix Panther for calling in. I love hearing calls on the show. It, it yeah. really is awesome. So uh, we will be back with another new episode, I believe, next week, right? Yeah. And, yes. Uh, Can't wait. And then as soon as the season is over, don't worry, we'll be continuing our rewatch. See you next week. Fantastic. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.